Have you sensed God's presence today? Let me set this up for you. We are going to be dealing with Joshua, the last patriarch today. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to tell you how it's going to end, okay? I am praying and have been praying since the Lord laid this sermon on my heart that God would place upon you the same type of call that he has placed upon Joshua. So at the conclusion of this service, if the Lord has spoken to you and you are willing to respond to what God is saying in your life, I'm going to have you come and gather around this rock. And I'll explain why. Some of you know that all of these rocks come from the stories in the book of Joshua. Some of you know that this one was done at the very end of Joshua. That these were done relatively soon, right after the crossing of the the Jordan. But all of them have symbology in the book of Joshua. Joshua is one of my favorite books of the Bible as far as the historical significance And as far as what God wanted to do in his life. To tell the story. To allow him, enable him to come to the place where he was submitted to the will of God. I'm going to start us out today by reading from Joshua chapter 1. And we're going to read those first few verses. uh, Joshua 1, 1 through 9. This takes us from the life of Moses... Right after Moses dies, through these first nine verses, which God is speaking to Joshua, and then Joshua is speaking to the children. And I want to find out how we get to this spot. And we're going to look at it as a whole congregation, so just hang in there with me, okay? By the way, if you want to know more about the life of Joshua, we're studying him in our J15 classes. First Sunday night in September... Uh, We will be doing our J15 and the third Sunday night of September. You are invited to come and be a part of that if you choose. Um, Joshua, chapter 1, verse 1 through 9. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, Son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give them to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. Your territory will be extended from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep 
book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night. So that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord, your God, will be with you wherever you go. How does this young man, and by this time he's not quite as young as what he was when he was first called. Matter of fact, by this time he's over 60 years old. But he still had for all of those years, he started out life very young, at the side of Moses. And for all of those years, he was content to be Moses' helper. Can I tell you something? Never be consumed with what your life may end up becoming. That's good or bad. Right? Because if you are consumed about what your life may become, that you may spend all of your life trying to achieve this goal, and God's plan is for you to be present in the moment, in the circumstances that you face, in order to fulfill His will where you are. I tell you what, when I first started out the ministry, I was gung-ho gangbusters. I knew where I was going and what I was going to be doing and... Let's do it. And it took me probably six years. And bless those precious people's hearts who had to put up with me for six years. I mean, I've got a lot of faults now, but you ought to have seen me then. And in those six years, I was, I was pushing and shoving and, and trying to... Go where my mind said, this is where we're supposed to be. And, and I wasn't willing to just kind of let God use me where he was. I was always thinking about what's next. Well, when I get done with this, then I'm going to do this. Y'all ever do that? And I have to, I have to stop and enjoy the moment. I have, to stop, I have to deliberately take my mind off of where I might somewhere be. Joshua learned... To stay in the moment. He didn't get consumed about what God may one day do with him. He didn't get consumed about what God may one day do with him. What I'm saying is, positive or negative, he didn't get concerned about it. He just said, I am content to be a helper. So when we talk about the call of Joshua, the thing we learn when we read, and go to the next slide here, Ted. Joshua, the son of Nun, who had been Moses' aid since youth. Moses' helper. Moses' sidekick. Moses' right-hand man. He spoke up and said, Moses, my Lord, stop them. Now, 
I don't want to get into the story a lot, but here there were 70 people who Moses had selected to be kind of intermediaries between him and the people, and he gave them responsibility, and he put them out here, and he put them out there, and he said, okay, you're going to do this, and the people are going to come to you first, and then if you can't handle it, then bring it back to the leaders of the tens, and then you're going to, ultimately, it's going to come back to me. And so these 70 people were kind of like extension ministries. And so these 70 people were out there, and as soon as they had been commissioned, God came on them, and the Holy Spirit fell mightily upon these people, and two of them began to prophesy. They began to preach. And Joshua was like, whoa, 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 whoa. We only have one preacher around here. Huh? Just one. And Moses said, whoa, no, no, no. No, no, I, are you jealous for my sake? I wish that all the Lord's people were preachers, were prophets. And that the Lord would put his spirit upon them. Or in our case, in this day and age, in us. Can I tell you something? I am not the least bit jealous of anybody God is calling To enter his ministry. I will give you platform. I will give you place. I will give you opportunity after opportunity. If you will. If you will submit to God. And submit to the authority of this church and the board. I'll help you become whatever it is that God wants you to be. But you know what? You don't start out as the senior pastor. It's true. Joshua was called by God. And and what Moses did, Moses took the young man and he brought him in and he put his arm around him and said, Hey, you hanging with me. So wherever Moses went, Joshua went. Matter of fact, to the point that when Moses would go to the tent of meeting to meet God, guess who went with him? When he would go to visit the sick, guess who would go with him? When he actually went up to the mountain to get the Ten Commandments, guess who went up most of the way with him? Hmm, y'all are good guessers. You see, Joshua didn't start out with all the answers. He started out as a helper. Truth be told, when Moses went to the tent of meeting to meet with God, and he had met with God, and then he would go back to do his administrative stuff, guess where Joshua was? At the door to the tent of meeting. Wasn't a lot happening right there at that particular moment. I mean, it was great when God was there, because you could, you know, yeah, me and God, we got this thing. But when Moses left and... It was a whole different story. Let's move on. He was an aid, but inside of that aid's heart, inside of that helper's heart, was a character that was noble. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Then Moses would return to the camp, but his young aide, Joshua, the son of Nun, did not leave the tent. The character of this man was to stay where God was in spite of the fact 
He was Moses' helper. God's Spirit would come and meet with Moses. And when Moses would leave and God would leave, that meeting would be done. And Joshua stayed there. Now, some people may think, well, he guarded the door. Okay, I could say that probably was true. He guarded the door to prevent anybody from walking in on God and Moses having their little confab. But there was something more than that. You see, the significance of God's presence being around Joshua helped him to begin to acclimate himself to seeing God move in the midst of the Israelites. And it began to rub off on him. Can I tell you something? Young people, I want to especially tell you this, but some of you older ones may need to hear it too. When you hang around trash, trash influences you. When you hang around godly, godly rubs off on you. Process that just for a little bit. Oh, be careful, little feet, where you go. Oh, be careful, little feet, where you go. For the Father up above, He is looking down in love. So be careful, little feet, where you go. See, the idea is we have to be careful what we set before ourselves, what we allow to enter our ears, what we allow to enter our eyes, what we allow to influence our decisions. We live in a society today where things that, that 25 years ago would not be tolerated by anybody is now the common theme or thread on the television. And the reason for that is that we, the church, have allowed the culture of the world to begin to rub off on us. Can I get an amen? I am befuddled at the type of music. I'm not talking about whether it's country, southern gospel, or western, or whatever. I'm not talking about any of that kind of stuff. I'm talking about the language in it, the message of it. I am confounded that that can come across our radios and we just embrace it. That we can sit down in front of television shows where there is nudity and ungodly activity taking place and we embrace it. I may not get through this sermon, folks. I know you think I'm meddling, but I'm telling you, if we allow the world to rub off on us, it will change our thinking. And we will become like the world. So that there is no difference between us and the person we work next to. Let me move on. Confidence. Now when I say this about Joshua, I I mean two types of confidence. I mean the type of confidence that Moses and God had in Joshua. But I'm also talking about Joshua's personal confidence. Let's deal with the first one first. 40 years old. These are the names of the men Moses sent to explore the land. Moses gave Hosea, son of Nun, the name Joshua. Why is that significant? Well, because Hosea means salvation. 
Joshua, Yeshua, New Testament word Jesus, means Jehovah is my salvation. So on the one hand, you have salvation in which you can depend on the strong arm of Joshua, or you come over here and you have Joshua, Hosea over there, Joshua over here, and it is my salvation is not my own. My salvation is in the Lord. So he sent him off. Let me go back to that one but first. This is where he went in to spy out the land of Canaan. Boy. He went in. He looked at all those big giants. He looked at all the things around. And he came back out and he's like, yeah. We can do this. And ten of the people that went with him are like, "Uh uh-uh. Can't be done. They're big old boys. Yes, the grapes are that big. Yes, they have the whole place is just running with milk and honey. Yes, it's beautiful, but we can't do it. Hosea? Or Joshua? Yeshua? Moses then said to Joshua... Choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. This goes back to, they hadn't even been out of Egypt 90 days yet. Came up towards Sinai. And he said, choose some of our men and go out and fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And Moses, Aaron, and Ur went went to the top of the hill. You remember the story, and we talked just a little bit about it. The Amalekites were the, were the descendants of Esau. Esau hated Jacob. There was this conflict between them. So when the Amalekites realized the Israelites were coming back into the country, and as they were the hated enemy, they said, let's take care of them once and for all. They had been traveling for 70, 80 days. They come into this valley and in the middle of this valley, the Amalekites attacked them. And Moses said to this young man who had been his helper, remember they didn't have any military training. None of them had been trained by the Egyptians on how to battle. This was just something that he said, God is my salvation. And so Moses went up, and to prove the point, Joshua said, I'll do it. You, 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 come with me. Get your families. Go get that. Come on, let's go. And he went down, and Moses held up his arms, and Israel prevailed. He got tired. Israel started getting whooped. So Aaron and Ur went to each side of his arm. They picked up his arms and held him up. And what happened? Joshua won. Actually, God won. Because you know what? Jehovah is my salvation. That's the thing Joshua recognized. From the time he got that name, he didn't have any doubt in his mind where his salvation came from. He went to the battle of Jericho. Did he take the jackhammers and the sledgehammers and knock the wall down? Uh Uh-uh. He just walked with God. When he went to fight the Gibeonites, for the Gibeonites, did he go into battle with these 
fierce uh, weapons of war and these chariots. And No, no, no. Some trust in chariots. Some trust in horses. We trust in the name of the Lord our God. They actually marched out with the ark in front of them because God told them to. And what did God do? Destroyed their enemies. Allowed them to conquer everybody that they were faithful and obedient to overtake. He fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And Moses and Aaron went to the top of the hill. They watched the battle happen. But it was not in his strength. It was in God's strength. But he had the confidence to go in the strength of the Lord. He was commissioned. He was first of all commissioned by Moses. And we'll talk about this uh, just a little bit. Let's, let's go to the next passage of Scripture. So the Lord said to Moses, Take Joshua, son of Nun, a man in whom the, is the spirit of leadership. Can I tell you something? Don't get down here with you. Yes, I am a boot-wearing, Harley-riding, name on my belt, hillbilly from Kentucky. So you will hear some language sometimes that doesn't sound awful perfect. Here's the story. God has placed in His people certain gifts. And He gives those who are in spiritual leadership discernment to see those gifts and say, I see something in you that God can use. Come join me. Come join me. Come join me. God showed Moses that Joshua had leadership. And he said to him, he, in, in, the spirit of leadership is in him. Lay your hand on him and stand before Eliezer the priest. And in the entire assembly, commission him in, your, in their presence. I want you to tell them, this man has been chosen by me. Give him some of your authority. So that the whole Israelite community will obey him. Can I tell you something? I'm looking for some Joshua's. And they don't have to be 55 years old. As a matter of fact, there's a a, a thought going out that that says... uh, You are the Joshua generation, which means you're younger folks. But it doesn't necessarily have to do with age. It has to do with the attitude of the heart. I don't have the ability to save myself, but God does. God is my salvation. The attitude of Joshua was, I will do whatever it is that Moses wants me to do when he wants me to do it. I'm not arguing. It's God's plan. And Joshua submitted himself into the hands of Moses and into the hands of God. And then when God commissioned him, this is what God said to him. Moses had died. Moses had already laid his hands on him. The people of Israel had been told, he's my successor, follow him. And so God says, look, be strong and very courageous. You ever get scared about something God's calling you to do? Oh, don't tell me you didn't. Because some of you have been sitting on your heels for a while after God said, I've got something for you to do. And you're like, uh Yeah, no. Okay, God. Just wait. I'll be prepared someday. But not now. You see, 
Moses died. God said, you're the man. Time to go. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the laws my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it. How did Moses' character become so clear-cut? How did he realize that he was the man of God? How did he understand that servanthood was the answer for him? Because he had his mind, his heart on God, in God's word. And he meditated on it. And he was careful to do everything that was written in it. And God said, look, I'm going to take care of the prosper, successful side if you'll keep me first. Seemed like to me there's a passage of scripture somewhere, Matthew 6, uh, 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things shall be added to it. Hmm. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Be careful to do everything in it and you will be prosperous and successful. That kind of sounds like the same type of idea, doesn't it? Haven't I commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not be afraid. Woohoo! Stock market fell. Do not be afraid. Just got a notice from your job, you lost your job. Do not be afraid. Um, Pastor, your daughter just moved to upstate New York. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Oh, but pastor, you don't know the life that I live. Oh, my woes, oh, my sorrows, oh, my oppression. I have been a beat up little child all of my life and I don't have any ability to get over it. Get over it. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God has been with you, is with you, will be with you wherever you go. Whoop, whoop. If I don't light your fire, you woods with. He had a conviction. A conviction to stand up, even when circumstances weren't right. Let me tell you something about his conviction. That boy went into areas and God said, I want you to slaughter every living creature. Do you know how hard it is to kill a dog or a cat? Let alone a man or a woman or a child or a baby in arms. But God said to do it. Now, I know that doesn't fit into our culture, and we have a hard time even understanding that, but it was God's command. This man had a conviction that what God said it, it was true. God said it, and I believe it, and that settles it for me. That's simple. If God said it, then it's in stone. He said, I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. And I brought him back a report according to my convictions. One out of six, two out of twelve, 
said, yes, it's possible. Why? Because in their heart, they had already submitted to God. God made them a promise. This is your land. I will give it to you as your inheritance. It's mine to give. I'm giving it to you. And those boys looked at it and they're like, "Uh uh-uh. We don't have the army. We don't have the money. We don't have the time. We don't have the ability. We can't go in that land yet. Let's just wait until God's ready. Well, guess what? God was ready then. But my fellow Israelites who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt in fear. You ever notice that? You get two people coming back with some powerful stuff. They're bringing back proof of what's going on in that place. Grapes just as big as grapefruit. Make a plum look like a pinhead. Big old grapes. They had... Everything was bigger and better. It was perfect. Matter of fact, when you look at it later on, uh, you look toward the last chapter, Joshua tells the people, look, God gave you crops that you didn't plant. He gave you wine from the vine that you didn't cultivate. All the stuff that you got when you came in was prepared for you. Basically, they just called you to supper and you came in and sat down. But those people said, you wouldn't believe it. They're big boys. I don't think we can do it, Bob. It's too big. 24 liters. 24 liters are the key to winning 100,000 people in this community. It's not possible, Pastor. Stop your stupid dreaming. God said it. I believe it, and that settles it for me. There will be some who will stand on the sidelines and say, it can't be done. Did you know that the Church of the Nazarene in the whole state of Virginia has less than 50,000 members? And I'm telling you that God has told me if we can get 24 people sold out, Joshua's, That through those 24, he can reach 100,000 people. It's craziness. But you know what? The conviction is not based on what I can do or how I can work it out or some plan that I have. It is rather based on the fact that God said, I want to do this. Not that this church may become a multi-thousand member church. That's not his plan. I mean, we may have... Multiple thousand people through various campuses across the world. But that's not his plan. The plan is this. When these 100,000 people and more Joshua's will be trained. Commitment. How committed was he? How committed will you need to be as a Joshua? Well, at the end of his life, he sits down with his people And he said, now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods. You know what he's saying here? Throw away the things that are preventing you from being all that God is calling you to be. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt. And serve the Lord. Stop playing around. 
Woohoo! Sometimes we we play church like preseason football. Couple downs is good enough. Well, we made a first down. Ah, the score is not important. Baloney. This isn't preseason football. If God would somehow open our eyes to the lostness of the world around us and how responsible we will be when we stand before the judgment and watch all the people whose lives our life touch march before the throne and be judged, depart from me, I never knew you, or welcome into the joys of the Lord. And the Lord looks at us and said, you had contact with them every day. What did you do? Hello? What if we knew who would walk out of this service and before the end of the month will go out into eternity to meet their God? How would we act differently if there was a big sign over our head that said, Olga has 12 days to live. How would I feel as her pastor about saying to her, Olga, where is your heart with God right now? What is your focus? Please tell me. I want to make sure you're right. Why is it any different? Because we don't know who around us has how many days and how responsible, accountable we're going to be for them. He said to them, if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods of your ancestors serve beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorite in whose land you're living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. He continues and he said, or the people then responded to him, Far be it from us to forsake the Lord, to serve other gods. It was the Lord our God himself who brought us and our parents up out of Egypt from the land of slavery. And he performed those great signs before our eyes. He protected us on our entire journey among all the nations through which we traveled. And the Lord drove out before us all the nations, including the Amorites who lived in the land. We too will serve the Lord because he is our God. Joshua said to the people, you are not able to serve the Lord. You don't have the ability to save yourselves. Hosea, no. Joshua, yes. God is my salvation. He is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your rebellion and your sins if you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods. You know what he says in that place? It's pretty clear cut. You can't continue to walk in sin and expect him to continue to forgive you. Hello? You want to walk with God? Forsake those ways. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign God, He will turn and bring disaster on you. And we can see it played out throughout Scripture. Yes, He was a merciful God, and He'd come back to the next generation. Do you know how many hundreds of thousands of people died in that 40 years in the desert? Actually, 1.5 million of them. Everybody over the age of 20, when they left Egypt, died. 
He will make an end of you after he has been good to you. But the people said to Joshua, No! We will serve the Lord. Then Joshua said, You are witnesses against yourself. You have chosen to serve the Lord. Yes, they responded. We are witnesses. Now then, said Joshua, throw away the gods that were among you and yield your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, we will serve the Lord our God. And somebody help me with that word. I find it very difficult to say it. Hmm. We will serve him and obey him. On that day, Joshua made a covenant for the people. And there at Shechem, he reaffirmed for them decrees and laws. Joshua recorded these things in the book of the law. Then at age 110, he took a large stone and set it up on the speaker. In the holy place of the Lord. See, he said to all the people, this stone will be a witness against us. It has heard all the words the Lord has said to us. It will be a witness against you if you are untrue to your God. Is God calling you to be a Joshua? Hey, listen. I'm not saying God is calling you to lead the children of Israel across the Jordan into the the promised land just yet. But what I'm asking is God asking you to come alongside, for lack of a better analogy, me, Moses. To be my helper. To be obedient, submissive. To be willing to be a servant that the Lord may use you to reach the lost and dying world before he splits the eastern sky and gathers all of his children home told you how we were going to end it go in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ